Holy Spirit, help. Yeah, say it. Come on. Holy Spirit, help. Come on. We don't pray by ourselves. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 9 through 10 says this. For I, Adonai, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and on the third and fourth generation of those who hate me but showing loving kindness to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commands, my mitzvah. The Lord shows us in Deuteronomy that there is this, this thing. Uh, uh, in church terms, we call it a generational curse. You ever heard that before? A generational curse. It's where something that your parents went through uh, and their parents went through just seems to ha hang around. Have any of you guys ever said this before? Oh, my dad, my parents, yeah, they had that. You know, oh, my grandparents, they, they had that, right? Anybody go to the doctor ever and the doctor starts asking you questions? What do they ask you? They ask you, does your, do you have a history of, right, heart disease, arthritis, right? They start going through a list of all the things that your parents may have had. And they even ask you if your grandparents may have had those, right? They don't ask you if your 14th generation grandparents had those, do they? They only ask you to, to about the third generation, right? They kind of stop there because back further than that, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really count. But they want to know what your history is because the things your parents went through, the iniquities, the sufferings, the sin of your parents can transfer to the next generation. Now, let me be real clear what I'm not, what I'm not saying and what I am saying this morning because this can get very confusing. All right. So the Bible says very clearly that God will visit the iniquity of the father on the children to the third and fourth generation for those who hate me. Okay, so are we saying that God punishes the children for the sins of the father? The word iniquity means sin. So are we saying that God is punishing children for our sins? For what we do? That's not Christ, is it? So there's something else going on here that we need to understand. Well, the Bible says, you know, dad, you sin, I'm going to punish your kids. Okay, except... Uh, uh, what we learn about in Leviticus 26.39 says this, in Leviticus 26.39, those of you who are left in the land of your enemy will rot away because of their iniquity. And because of the iniquities of their fathers, they will rot away with them. So there's this theme about the fact that the sins of the father uh, can play a role on your life. But I want you to look uh, what Ezekiel says so that we can get a clear understanding of what God is trying to say in context. Because some of you are going to be like, oh, I'm sorry I sinned, son. Right? Ezekiel 18, verse 20, says it this way. The soul who sins shall die. The son shall not suffer for the iniquity of the father, nor the father suffer for the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself okay all right so clearly we have two d distinctive voices here we have one saying that i will that that i will visit the iniquities on the third and fourth generation all the way down to the third and fourth generation but then ezekiel is saying no i won't so what's the reality the reality is is god is not saying that he is going to punish our children because we have sinned what he's saying is there is a law of nature that comes into play when we sin that causes our generations after us to become corrupted. Okay? 
How many of you guys understand that statistically, if your parents are alcoholics, you are way more likely to become an alcoholic? You are dispositioned for alcoholism, right? How many of you guys have ever met somebody who grew up being abused by their parents? And, and it's like, man, man, the second they hit 18, they're going to leave that house, never come back. And you are shocked to find that they turn into abusers. Them knowing how it felt to be abused, picked on, ridiculed, Right? You ever meet somebody that was abused or picked on in school and then they start bullying? Right? So you think that after you know how that felt to be uh, uh, abused that you would not go and abuse. But those children a lot of times will go on to abuse their own children. Right? There is something, there is a seed that is planted deep inside of us when we sin that can go to the third and fourth generation. It corrupts who we are. It is a natural law. It happens both mentally... Uh, excuse me, mentally, spiritually, and physically, okay? And science confirms that these things happen, and we're going to go into that a little bit. But I want to tell you there's hope this morning, okay? Because while Jesus, while God said that I will visit the iniquity on the third and fourth generation, he says, but those who love me, their blessing will be to the thousandth generation. So there is something more powerful about positive. There is something more powerful about righteousness that allows it to extend further than sin can reach. How many of you guys realize we serve a God whose righteousness is better than sin? Amen? The power of sin and death is not more powerful than my God. Jesus died, and it says he took the keys of hell, death, and the grave, and he broke the power of sin because he's more powerful. How much more powerful? Do the math. Three and four compared to a thousand. That's how much more powerful our God is. Okay, so I want you to understand what happens. Um, uh, in our, in our bodies, and then we're going to learn about how to break free of those things this morning. All right, so I was reading an article on Science Daily. You guys know I like science by now if you've been here for a while, right? Uh, and I'm sure my nurses and will correct me in here for my terrible medical uh, terminology. Um, they did a study, so I'm reading this article on Science Daily. They had done this study at a university, and um, what they tried to do was determine if there was something that the father did before conception that actually had an impact on the child. Okay, so we know that if, if, if you're raised with, with a certain uh, um, uh, standard in your home, if your father is mean or rough or gruff, that can affect who you are, right? But surely not things that he does prior to you being born that have nothing to do with you. Not, not an example, not nurture versus nature, but literally, what did he do before you were conceived that can have an impact on you? So these scientists, I know that's trippy, right? So these scientists did this, this uh, study and they, they said that even though the father had no contact with their offspring and the mother's behavior remained relatively unchanged in the study, the offspring of, uh, of food-limited rats, okay, of food-limited rats. So these fathers were limited on their food prior to conception. The, 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 the food-limited rats were lighter, ate less, and showed less evidence of anxiety. So the rats that were conceived from the fathers that ate less, their children ate less and had less anxiety. But they found that if they ate more that they were, the, the father ate more before conception, that the children were more prone to uh, childhood uh, diseases and obesity, okay? 
the, so what happened is, is the, how, this was a study of how your environment produces changes in the brain, in the genes and its behaviors, okay? Uh, I'm, I'm, trying to get, I'm trying to keep it as, as uh, uh, layman as possible here, okay? But it's called epigenetic, okay? Everyone say that, epigenetic, okay? And so what it means is that the, 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 your genes respond differently uh, from generation to generation than your DNA uh, says. So based on the father's experience, these rats produced different offspring based on what they were given prior to conception. It passed through their DNA. Now, I want you to understand epigenetics and DNA are different. DNA passes unchanged, okay? So there's no change in the DNA. But the way our genes are expressed is changed from generation. What I do changes my gene expression. How I live, it not only changes my gene expression, but the exact same DNA that I passed on to each of my children. The gene expressions changed each time depending on my environment, my situation, my attitude, my eating patterns, my sin. Do you understand? If I could change my kid's body type and, and, and diet for their adulthood by simply how I ate before I conceived them with no impact of being in relationship with them. Okay? This is really important for both the mothers and fathers to consider their environment for things like diet and alcohol consumption, smoking, all of that before conception actually impacts and changes that generation. Isn't that crazy? So epigenetics changes the way our genes are expressed without changing our DNA. I want to make that clear. So they did a study um, at Emory University in Atlanta, Georgia. Brian Diaz exposed male mice to, um, it, it's like a sweet-smelling almond chemical. I won't give the chemical name. Okay, it's like a sweet-smelling almond chemical. And at the same time, they gave the mice this electric shock with the food. Okay, and he did this five times a day for several days. After this treatment, the mice obviously became very fearful, freezing whenever they would smell the almond smell. So no surprise there, right? Okay. But then 10 days later, he allowed the male mice to mate. So 10 days passes, they mate with female mice who had not experienced any of the almond smell or shock. Okay, so the mother had not gone through any of the experiences. The males were allowed to mate and removed. Then things got interesting. When their young grew up, many of the animals were more sensitive to the almond smell than to other odors and more likely to be startled by an unexpected noise during exposure to the smell. Their offspring, the grandchildren of the mice trained to fear the smell, were also jumpier in the presence of the smell. What's more is all three generations had a larger than normal, it's called an M71, okay, structures where they actually developed... The, this almond chemical sensitivity neurons in their nose that connected to their uh, smell, their bulb, okay, to their smell factor, okay, I'm keeping all the science out of it, the names, okay, so they, it actually, they developed a neural connection between that smell and their nose and their brain that was not there previously to tell them, danger, run, this is bad, go, to the grandchildren. So the experiences of the father Absent, so there's no storytelling. You guys understand this. This is not father told them a story, scared them when they were young, and now they're afraid of that smell. So this is, 
what would we call this? Survival of the fittest. We might call this Mother Nature, right? We might, call, uh, we might decide that this is uh, natural nature reflexes, survival mechanisms, we might say, right? All these things that are built, built in to help animals survive, except that it happens in humans too. They did studies on humans as well, and they found basically the same things. Now, specifically, uh, there are chemical changes to our genes that affect how our DNA is packaged and expressed. Our DNA doesn't change, but it does change how it's, it's packaged, okay? Um, and the word epi in Greek actually means to go around, okay? So to go around the genetics. So it creates a different pathway. Um, so it modifies us, okay? And so uh, another article um, looked at medical records from several generations of families in Sweden from the 1890s to present. They crossed this information with the annual food harvests and food prices, which would suggest how much food was available for the families at the time, okay? And what they found was if the father did not have enough food in the years prior to puberty, his own sons were, uh, were less, li less likely to die from heart disease. If he had gone through some famine before he hit puberty, his sons were less likely to die of heart disease. On the other hand, if the father had plenty of food in the prior years to puberty, his sons had a, had a much higher risk of death related to diabetes. Wow. Wow. So you're saying, if I'm blessed in abundance, you're telling me that gluttony really is a sin? You're telling me that if I could just eat and eat and eat, and I am a glutton with how I eat, that that is visited on my children. Some of you in here are like, you should have told me that when I was 11. What am I supposed to do? Right? Some of you in here are about that age, so you're learning now, okay? So how you live... How you live, your environment, your sins, what you are involved in will change your gene expressions. And those are passed on to your generations, to the third and the fourth. Why did he say to the third and the fourth? Why did he say that? See, I don't think God was saying that I'll pick and choose. I think what he was saying is there's a natural law that I put in place. And those gene expressions diminish and change. And there's variables and factors that I've put into the earth. There's choices that you make. And sometimes the third generation, and sometimes it creeps over into the fourth. Not always, right? Sometimes that fourth generation has nothing to do with that. Sometimes it stops at the third. And if we look at science, it'll back that up, right? That's why most doctors, they will just ask you, the nurses can back this up for me, they'll usually just ask you about your parents and your grandparents, right? They won't go really to the third. They might if there's something significant, but they almost never go to the fourth because it's, it's variable. But a lot of you, as I'm saying this, are thinking about it, and you're going, yeah, you know, my mom had this, and my grandma had that, and her grandma had that, and I got that. And you know what you're doing? You're speaking that over yourself all the time. You're always like, well, you know, it runs in our family. It runs in the family. See, the Lord promised us that even to the third and fourth generation, sin could transfer. But for those who love God, we would make it to the thousandth generation. Amen? I'm, I'm, ugh, look, I can preach. I can get rowdy. Okay? I can get loud. I can scream and shout and give you something to encourage you. Okay? And, and make you feel, whoa, we're going to have some victory. All right, and I could do that, or I can give you something that will land so heavy in your soul it'll never leave you for the rest of your life. Okay, 
I realize this science is heavy. I get it. But what I'm saying to you is not, a, is not my reading of a scripture and making it sound epic and then giving you some victory that you'll hold on to with some hype all week long until you're broken on Saturday and eat church on Sunday. What I'm giving you is something that for the rest of your life will land. Okay, this will grow inside of you. It will not leave. 30 years from now, you might not remember my five points of how to be a good Christian, but you will remember that what you do affects your gene expression and that's passed on to generations. And you'll teach your children this. How you live will affect your children and their children. And you can either choose to put the, the possibility of suffering onto your kids and your great grandkids, or you can choose to bless your family for a thousand generations. Your choice. Amen? So let me explain why this is so powerful. And I've been talking about science during these seasons for a minute. I've been talking about this. This is a powerful, powerful word. But you would say, Pastor, but I didn't know this until now, so now I'm just kind of stuck. Like, I have no authority or power. I already did it. I've already passed on this gene expression. How many of you guys know we serve a God who heals? Amen? I feel sorry for all the other people in a different church right now that don't believe God heals, that when I give this word, they just go, well, I'm stuck because God don't heal no more right? Only, the, only Satan's powerful. It amazes me how many times I hear other pastors and other Christians tell me the devil is fighting them and messing with them and they can't get ahead because the devil keeps coming after them. But they're like, no, no, God doesn't do anything anymore. You're trying to tell me Satan's more powerful than God? You need to change your theology real quick. I don't have to point to a scripture to explain to you that Satan is not more powerful than my God. Amen? I'm sorry, but he lost the keys. He doesn't even have access to his own house anymore. What makes you think he has any authority? Right? He's outside right now trying to pick the lock, trying to work on his lock picking skills because Jesus took his keys away and said, no, you don't even get to come in here no more. I'm in control now. So anytime somebody tells you that God doesn't heal, God doesn't move, he doesn't act, but they tell you that Satan's against them and Satan's coming on, you just need to put them in perspective and let them know, hey, I don't know, I don't know what Bible you're reading, but it ain't my Bible. It sounds like a satanic Bible to me, okay? That's all, I'm just, I'm just saying, right? When you walk in your church, do they hand you horns and a pitchfork and stuff? Like, is that what you're doing at worship, Right? Because if you think Satan is the one that's allowed to out, well, he's the, he's the Lord, he's the rule. I've heard this. He's the one with dominion on the earth. No, he isn't. You have dominion. Jesus came and took the keys and gave them back to you. You have dominion. The first Adam had dominion and Jesus came as the second Adam and he restored all things that Adam had lost and dominion was given back to Adam. You have dominion. Satan has no th power or authority over you. When you understand that he has no authority, he loses it. You need to take back your authority. You need to take back generational curses that have been placed on your family. You need to take back the attacks that the enemy has laid waste on your family for generation after generation after generation. Let me give you some hope here, okay? Leviticus 26, Leviticus chapter 26, verses 40 through 42 say this. But if they confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers in their treachery, they that they committed against me. Next verse. 
and also in walking contrary to me, so that I walked contrary to them and brought them into the land of the enemies. If then their uncircumcised heart is humbled and they make amends for their iniquity, then I will remember my covenant with Jacob and I will remember my covenant with Isaac and my covenant with Abraham and I will remember the land. Let me, let me just read that to you. But if they confess their iniquity, say iniquity, and the iniquity of their fathers. Woo! What do you mean confess the sins of my father? Some of you need to realize what has been handed down to you does not belong to you. Some of you need to realize that you need to open your mouth and confess the sins of your family and break that generational curse off your life. You need to start saying, my father did this, but I am a child of God. I don't hate you. I love you. I don't run from you. I serve you. And right now I say that those, those things that were passed down to me from my father are broken off of me. Those things that were handed down to me by my mother, they are broken off of me. Lord, there might have been heart disease in my family, but it will not come to me. There might have been arthritis in my family, but it will not come to me. My family might struggle with diabetes, but I say no more for me. The sins of my father shall not pass to me. I receive your healing. I break free of the sins and the iniquity that are visited on me, and I say right now that my generations will be blessed to the thousands. So when we open our mouth and say, Lord, when we see it, let me explain this. When we see it, when you say, oh, yeah, I sound like my mother. Come on. How many ladies? Ladies are like, oh, boy, I sound like my mother. Not the good part, right? Right? Not the one, not, not the really, I mean, the really good, good parts where you're like, hey, I brought you in this world. I can take you out, right? Right? That's older than Shakespeare, and it's a good line, and we need to keep using it, parents. All right? Right? Don't forget, like, look, 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 I'm not asking you to get rid of the powerful statements that bring, that bring life. Like, hey, I can make another one just like you. Right? Right? Those are good. Right? We need to keep our authority in our homes, right? We need to remind them who has power and authority in this place. Right? Don't you come at me like Goliath. I will throw a stone at your face. Let DHS come. Right? We were just doing a Bible lesson. What? He said he didn't get it. <laughs> oh, he got it. Okay, so. Generation after generation. What we do is, what I say before is whatever is buried can grow. Whatever is kept buried can grow. And when we confess our iniquity, when we, when we confess the iniquity of our family, we unbury those seeds that are planted to continue on generation after generation. When we're able to come and say, God, these are the sins of my parents. These are the sins of the generations before me. This is what we are involved in. And I break myself off of that. Right? I separate myself. Let me, let me, let me just say it this way. Have you... I heard this, and I don't want to, I'm not uh, dissing on any preachers at all, and I actually don't have an opinion on, on this one, okay? Uh, but, but it's a good example. Um, if you've ever watched some of the prosperity gospel preachers on, on, on TV, uh, you saw that there was one in particular, I won't name him, you guys probably know who, but, but his nephew 
started coming out and saying, I don't believe in this. My uncle believes in this. I don't believe in it. I believe it is broken theology. And he started to not come against his uncle, but come against the lie. Come against the broken theology. He's like, he's wrong. And he started coming out and confessing that I bought into this. And this is what he said. I bought into this theology. And then as I started to study God's word, I realized I was wrong. I realized this is not true. Yes, God wants to bless us, but it doesn't mean that everything that we have will, will be prosperous. It doesn't mean that every moment of our lives will be rich. That's not necessarily what blessing looks like. That's not, and he says, I realize that there's both. That the Bible calls for both, both suffering and blessing, right? And that if we are truly walking with God, we'll be blessed in the suffering, right? And if you've lived long enough, you know that at the same season you are blessed, there is something going on in your life where you're suffering, right? And the same moment you are suffering, you can find things that you are blessed in. So, so he started to change his theology and he started to publicly say, I used to believe in this and I no longer believe in it. Well, within a year, within a year, this famous pastor who had been preaching the prosperity gospel his whole life came on public television and said, I no longer believe it. I know my friends are mad at me, but I've realized I'm wrong. So not only did his confession plant something supernatural, and there was a series of events that led up to this, okay? He started to get around people that, be, that were powerful that didn't believe the same theology as him. And he got around them, and all of a sudden, within a year or so, there was a shift in his own life. So not only does the confessions of the sins of your family and the confession of the sin of your own life, when you say, look, my family sinned this way and I sinned this way, and I'm saying right now that I don't believe that no more. I don't want that no more. I don't agree with that anymore. I'm not going to act that way anymore. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to act like my parents did. I'm not going to live a life of adulterous life. I'm not going to live a life of greed and gluttony and despair and discouragement and anger. How about this one? I'm not going to be negative like my parents were. I think that one probably lands bigger than the other ones. Right? Some of you grew up in homes where your parents were constantly ridiculing you. And then as you had children, you said, why in the world am I doing this to them? And you did it to them. And you know you did it. And even though you were telling yourself to stop, it didn't stop. And you say, well, that was my example. No, that was the genetics. Your genomes were expressed differently. It was passed on to you. But the word of God says that we can break free of that. That we can break free of that by the confession of our own sin and the sins of our parents and break that bond. And let their own issues be their issues. And separate their issues from ours. Because Ezekiel promised us, the, sins of the, the wickedness of the wicked is theirs to deal with. And the righteousness of the righteous is ours to deal with. And so when we decide to be righteous and we cut ourselves off from that iniquity, the, the, the sins of the generations that are passed down to us in our blood, in our emotions, in our spirit, have to bow at the cross. They have to bow. So that's not the most powerful part. That's not the most powerful part. Can we get a, can we get a shot of this real quick? She's painting this real quick. Let me have this one. Marsha came in this morning. And she came in and she goes, what? She goes, I can't get this off my mind. And she says, does this have anything to do with your message? And somebody came up to her and they said it looked like a question mark or maybe like a music note. And she wasn't really sure. Well, I'm going to tell you exactly what this is. Are you guys looking? Here, let me put it there so the camera can see it. 
Make sure that camera can see it. If you're watching live, this is powerful. It's going to change your life. Okay? So I've been talking science for the last couple of weeks. I, I, wait, before I go away, let me, let, I, hold on. Before I go away, I, want you, I just want you to notice. I want you to notice that the dots on this side, on the right side, and on this side, it's the left. You see how they mirror each other? Do you guys see that? They're mirror images flipped of each other. Yes? We're good? Agreement? Awesome. All right. Look, let me explain it to you. I've been talking science all month. And it turned out that Pastor Stephen Furtick was listening to me. Uh, so, why are you guys laughing? That hurts my feelings. I break off that curse over you, okay, right now. I am not praying for you. You keep laughing at me. All right, so, but look, he started talking science. And, and uh, he, I usually don't listen to Pastor Stephen Furtick because he says things so perfectly and so articulately that I can't say it any other way than the way he said it. And then everyone's like, you stole that from him. So I just don't listen because I know I'm going to be like, dang it, I have to say it that way now. Okay, but he got on there and my son was listening to him. and He says, Dad, you got to hear this. And I'm like, nope, nope, not listening. He goes, he's talking about the same stuff you are. He's talking about the brain and the science of, of what happens in your brain. So what they found is there's this thing called mirror neurons. Say mirror neurons. Okay, your brain creates these things called mirror neurons. And it turns out that these mirror neurons are actually extremely powerful neurons in your brain that can kind of control how you develop emotionally and socially okay what they do is is they did a study with monkeys and with a man and they found that when the man reached for food or reached for a glass of water that the monkey the neurons these mirror neurons in his brain were activated as the person reached, so as he watched the person reach, the mirror neurons were activated and formed in a way that allowed him to experience what the man was doing. Okay, And it turned out that when they did, they did the same test on the monkey, as he reached for the water or the food, the exact same mirror neurons were produced in his brain, mirroring the experience that he had versus the one he saw. And so they did the study on humans as well. And what they found is, is that there is very little difference, if any at all, between watching somebody experience something and you experiencing it yourself. Your brain processes it as your experience. That's how you learn how to do things. That's how you learn how to interact socially. Okay? What they found is that a lot of kids that are autistic, the reason why they don't develop socially is that when they watch somebody do something, those mirror neurons are not activated. So they're not, actually, they're not actually able to register what somebody else is doing. But in normal, healthy adults, when somebody does something, our brains don't distinguish between them and us, what we see and what we do. So we learn and we actually experience things through the eyes of other people. These are called mirror neurons. We are seeing what they're doing and mirroring it back. Okay, this is why the movie industry and, and video game industry is so massive. That's why we have so much entertainment in our culture is because we live vicariously through others. We watch, and I'm, I'm just as guilty, like I, I love to watch a movie, right? Because I get to escape from my reality for a minute, right? 
I get to live through their eyes. I get to experience that world. I get to be something different, right? I get to be a Jedi for the weekend, right? You know, and I'm like, oh, and you get up, right? Come on, when you were a kid, oh, don't act like it was just when you were a kid. It was last week. You got up after the, that movie, and you're like, I could do that. I'm a Jedi. I could do it. I could do it, right? Sorry, right? I saw, I saw and I heard you like, you're kicking, kicked the TV over and broke it. That's what Shantae did. I don't know if she's in there. She blamed it on her kid, but it was her. She went all martial arts on it. Um, okay, but we live, right, and you get up and you're like, ooh, and you have that rush of adrenaline that says your brain thinks you did it. Your brain thinks you experienced it. And the reality is, is that you are taking other people's experiences. What you see becomes you. What you see will actually get inside of you and shift your brain's chemistry. It will shift your memories. It'll shift your abilities. It'll do everything. That's why I say it's so important to make sure who you're surrounded by. Because what you're surrounded by, you'll surrender to. What you see, what monkey see, monkey do, right? What you are surrounded by, you will constantly do. You want to get around negative influences? You want to be around those negative people that are always complaining? Those people that are sinning? And you're like, oh no, I'm not going to do that. What you see, you will do. Because you are actually changing your brain's chemistry. And your brain is registering, that's what I'm supposed to do. What you see, you will register is what you are supposed to do. It is so important that you are the one that people are mirroring and that you are not the one mirroring them. You set the atmosphere. You set the expectation. You are a believer with authority. It is your job to make, be the light of the world so that the only thing that shines is you and the only thing they can see is you. Then you better be real careful about looking into darkness. Okay? Because it'll start to get on you. The negativity of other... I don't surround myself with negative people. I'm going to tell you that right now. If you come to me and you are just... I'm sorry for the Nancys in the room. Negative Nancy, okay? Negative Broomhilda, we don't have any of those, right? Okay. If you want to come to me and complain, I'm not going to allow you around me. I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you, but I am not going to listen to you complain to me 24-7 a day because I am not going to mirror your attitude. I am not going to take on your generational curse because I ain't even in your family. I don't want any part of it. We're all grafted together. We are all part of the same body. And I don't want any part of what you want to transfer on to me if it has to do with the iniquity of your life. Okay? I want positivity. And here's what I want to say. Maybe you don't have faith. Shoshana talked to us about needing more faith. Maybe you just don't have enough faith today. Maybe you don't have enough hope. Maybe you don't have enough love. Let me tell you what. You, are, you need more love. You need more faith. You need more hope. Look at me. You can borrow mine. You can mirror me. You can have some of mine. Get around people that admit faith, that admit hope, that admit love, and mirror what they're doing, and allow yourself to change. Allow yourself to shift. Allow your brain to rewire itself for joy. Allow it to rewire itself for peace. You don't have any peace? Get around someone that has some peace and shut up. And just mirror them. Don't try to make them mirror you. Don't you dare get around someone and try to make them like you when you're the one struggling. Don't try to get them to sympathize or empathize or agree with you. You just shut up, get in their presence, and let whatever is on you break off. Let your brain change. Let your genomes change. Let your expressions change. So when you get around somebody that carries something different, I've said it before, you catch what people carry. 
I've said it for the last month or two. I've been saying it over and over again. You catch what people carry. Come on. Mirror neurons? When you see someone take action, you catch it. Your brain literally shifts, creates neurons that were not there, pathways that were not there before, and begins to create a system of thinking that changes who you are. And you will express that new thought just simply by watching what other people do. What are you watching? You have to guard your ears. You have to guard your eyes. You have to guard your hearts. They are the window to the soul. You have to guard what comes in. Look, this is not one of those like get rid of all the movies and the video games. But yes, it is. Look, listen to me. Knowing that you will mirror what you see. You have to guard what you see. Many years ago, I got rid of every scary movie out of my home. I stopped watching scary movies, uh, any any horror movies. Uh, You know, a thriller occasionally, right? Try to find the murder suspect, you know, whatever. But something that has demons or ghosts or or evil presence of any kind, it, it has to go. It can't be in my home. Because when I watch that, you can tell, oh yeah, we love to be scared. See, the enemy wants us to see those things and then mirror them. It wants to corrupt us. It wants to get inside of us. It wants to shift who we are. And I know that we want to say, oh no, it doesn't contribute anything like that. That's just silly. Yes, it does. The music you listen to, the things you watch, the games you play, all of that stuff contributes to mirror neurons. They've done the studies. They've shown that when you watch it, you become it. Come on, y'all. I'm not like some religious, I'm not some religious guy that's like, oh, you know, sinners, you bunch of sinners, right? That's not who I am. I'm giving you real science that says that it's true. So a man thinketh, so he is. The Bible has been right this whole time. And what you are taking in right now, what you are watching right now, what you are creating, your neural pathways that you're creating right now will be transferred. So the fears that you have right now will transfer. The fears you have right now will transfer or have transferred. The depression you have, transferred. The eating disorder, transferred. The hope you have, transferred. The faith you're building, transfers. The love in your heart, transfers. Your compassion for the hurting, transfers. Your love of God, transfers you parents in here your kids are not serving God your love of God transfers you don't need to tell them that they need to love God you just need to love God and let them see it and they will marry you and they will marry you just live out loud that's why it's so important that we don't keep this church in these walls that we get out there and we live out loud so that people can see what the love of God looks like so that they have a chance to mirror it so they have an opportunity to think differently Amen? Because I'm not interested in arguing with a fool. I'm not interested in arguing with someone that does not have the neuro and genetic capability of actually processing what I'm saying. They, they don't have a pathway to it. They don't have a pathway. Wide is the road to hell. Narrow is the gates to heaven. They don't have the path to connect what we're saying. But they can watch how we love. They can see how we live. They can see the hope that we have. You ever get around someone and they say, why are you so happy? Why are you so joyous? Some of you are like, no, not really. (laughs) Well, that's another sermon. (laughs) 
And if you're one of those that say, no, no one ever does that for me, then get around someone that you say it to. Get around someone that you say, why are you so happy? And just get in their presence. And let it leak on you a little bit. Catch what they carry. Let it infect you. Let it change you. Let it shift you. Let God heal you. Let God heal you. Everything that was passed down from your parents, your grandparents, all of that, the Bible says can be broken off. With a simple change of thought, with a simple spoken word and an expression to have the iniquity wiped away. Your generational curses don't need to follow you. Your family's health record doesn't need to follow you. When you go to the doctor, the believer that I am tells me that when I go to the doctor and he starts asking me, well, what did your parents have? And I say, my parents have nothing to do with me. I've already changed my genome expression. I'm different. I'm bought. I'm redeemed. I am not controlled by the curses of my family and what they suffered. Let me, let me land this real quick and I'm going to close. So, some people don't know my history of where, where my family's come from. Uh, but on my father's side, uh, his mother was in and out of mental institutions her entire life. Okay? And it's very possible, let me get real with you guys for a second. It's very possible that she uh, bore sons out of incestuous relationship with her father. Okay? No one's 100% sure, but it looks that way. looks like that might have been why she uh, constantly was in and out of mental institutions. And she took her own life. So she had mental illnesses, and her father had mental illnesses. And so this mental illness ran in my family. Did you notice my vernacular there? Ran in my family. So there's been a lot of times in my life, at least on that side of the family, where I looked at that family and thought to myself, you know, if you are saying, I'm the only sane one in my family, it's possible you're the crazy one. If everybody else is crazy and you're the only sane one, you might be the crazy one, right? Right? If the whole world is wrong and you're right, you probably, okay? You might be Moses or you might be crazy, okay? I'm just saying. It's a 50-50. Let's be real. So I'd ask myself all the time and I'd, Man, am I, cra am I the crazy one? Am I the crazy one? And that was a thought in my head growing up. Am I going to end up like that? Am I going to grow older and suffer from mental illness? Am I going to lose my thoughts? And the scariest thing to me uh, about growing up and growing older was one day not having my mental uh, faculties. Not being able to articulate my thoughts and expressions and losing who I am. And being lost in some fake world that doesn't exist. Even when I came to Jesus, I questioned that. Man, Jesus is real, or am I a crazy one who manifests all of these things out of my brain? And my brain's crazy. And I asked myself that for years until the Lord broke that generational curse off my life. Until the Lord severed that. There is no mental illness in my family down. My children don't have the genome expression of mental illness. We've created new neuron pathways that say we're going to have health and mental clarity for the rest of our life. The right thought gets to the right place and gets to the mouth. There is no brokenness in our brain. Why? Because we've chosen to mirror Holy Spirit. We've chosen to mirror the presence of God. If you don't have a good example, you got one with God. When I was 17 years old, I broke down crying. 
and told the Lord, Lord, I don't have anyone to teach me how to be a godly man. I'm never going to learn to be a godly man. I don't have a godly example of how to teach me to be a godly man. And a few minutes later in that service, a woman ran over to me and she said, the Lord told me to tell you, he knows you don't have a godly example to teach you how to be a godly man. But he wants you to know, of course, I'm bawling now, right? He wants you to know that he'll be your example and he will teach you how to be a godly man. That generational curse broke off my life right then. Everything that was attached to it, the sin, the corrupt mind, the broken spirit, the damaged mind, all of that broke off that day. Bow your heads with me. Father God, Lord, we thank you for your word, Father. I thank you for a scientist that just want to keep proving that God is God. I thank you that every time they do research, they just prove our God is right. Lord, I thank you that you have no desire to punish the sons for the sins of the father, for the sins of the mother, for the sins of a generation, the daughters. But that your desire is to bless us to a thousand generations. Your desire is to pour overwhelming blessing onto our life. So right now in the name of Jesus, I declare that those that were once cursed are blessed. So while, while every head is bowed, just very quickly, uh, we don't have to make this a thing, but as I, as I was talking, if that hits you hard and you're saying, yeah, there's, there's generational stuff in my family that I've allowed to stay, that I've kept in my life. If that's you, raise your hand this morning so we can break that off. Amen. If you're one of those that said, well, my parents or my dad or my mom, and you allowed that to determine who you are, raise your hand so I can pray for you. Amen. 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 We're going to break this off. So right now what I want you to do is we're just going to confess those sins. Okay. We're going to confess those things that we are carrying, that our parents carried, and confess what they did and have them broken in the name of Jesus. I just declare that every sin, so all I want you to do is say, Lord, I recognize that I do this and that my parents did this, and I break the authority of that curse to follow me any longer. 